Welcome to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz, a candid conversation as we learn about types of dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and Lewy body, and the effects on the people we love. Jill's years of dedication and experience help you adapt, overcome obstacles, and find positive outcomes. It's time for Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Well, hi, everybody. A couple of weeks ago, I had a show for caregivers that are professional, and I wanted to shift gears this week to talking about how caring for a person with dementia affects you, the family caregiver. Because I have so many family members tell me that they experience many feelings as they care for their person that has a chronic dementing illness like Alzheimer's or Lewy body and so forth. And a lot of times I hear that you're sad, you're discouraged, you feel alone. Sometimes you're angry, you feel guilty about being happy when they're not happy. Um, You feel hopeful sometimes. Sometimes you feel tired or depressed. And in the face of reality of all this, I think emotional distress is appropriate at times. And it's also understandable. Really, I mean, sometimes families find themselves overwhelmed by these feelings. I don't think that's uncommon at all. I think it happens to so many of us because human feelings are complex. And they literally vary from person to person. One person could be handling it really well. One person could just be completely overwhelmed and falling apart. I see the total gamut of this every single day, right? And I don't want to oversimplify your feelings. And I sure don't want to offer, you know, simplistic solutions for you. I just want you to know that it's not unusual to have a myriad of feelings across the board. Uh, Sad one day, happy the next exhilarated sometimes, laughing, enjoying that person, and the next minute you want to scream. It happens all the time. And so we have a lot of different emotional reactions. And the way that we handle our emotions sometimes can be really intense and sometimes not. And, you know... I think a lot of you sometimes think that if you're feeling angry or sad or depressed or distressed or whatever it is, that those feelings are unacceptable and that you shouldn't have certain feelings and or, or that no one else could possibly understand what you're going through. And that makes you feel isolated and it makes you feel alone. And that is a place I don't want you to be. That's why I have this show. I want you to be able to, you know, have those mixed feelings and and be able to discuss it and to have me talk about it so you know that 
that it's not uncommon for you to feel that way. I, my clients tell me this day in and day out. They, they have, you know, it's a strange dyad between loving and disliking the same person, your person with the diagnosis. Sometimes they want to keep the family member at home and put them in a nursing home all at the same time. And it might not seem logical to you to have feelings like that, but just know that it is common. And and sometimes you don't even realize you have mixed feelings. A lot of times people are really afraid of those strong emotions because they're uncomfortable. You don't want to think that you don't like your person, that you don't love your person. You don't but really it's more that you don't love the situation you're in. You don't love that they have this disease. You don't love that you can't do anything about it. And sometimes when we're angry, we worry about doing something rash, something that's not kind. And and you think about, oh my God, well, if I if I were to follow through on this, what would people think of me? That would be terrible if somebody knew that I that I lost my cool with my with my person with the diagnosis. I'm supposed to be on top of this game. I'm supposed to be the one that's doing doing the right thing. I'm the one that's supposed to be thinking rationally. We have a lot of responses to our feelings that are not unusual. A lot of them. And a lot of us have very similar responses to that degree. I think at one time or another, everybody feels that way. One day you're just so angry, you want to scream. You go out on your back porch and just let it rip. And other days you have the patience of a saint, right? There's no right way to handle emotions. Even if you are recognizing how you feel and having some understanding of why you feel the way you do, that's important. Because your feelings affect your judgment, okay? Unrecognized or unacknowledged feelings can really influence your decisions sometimes in ways that you don't even understand or recognize. You you can't even believe that maybe you flew off the handle, right? But if you can acknowledge and recognize your feelings to yourself and to other people, that can be helpful. And sometimes you have to be careful about who you share that with, (laughs) Um, when, where, and whether or not you're going to express your feelings or act on them. Be careful who you share that with. I don't want you to hide it. I don't want you to hide from it. But you don't want to give people the impression that you're losing it yourself and unable to take care of your person. It's it's important to know that this happens to 
everybody at one time or another. So don't be so hard on yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself. And on the flip side of that, if you worry that not expressing your feelings can cause stress-related issues for you, anxiety, sleeplessness, things like that, that can be a problem as well. You know, I know that sometimes you can get angry with the behavior of the person with the dementia, but I know there's times when you decide not to yell at them, okay? There's times when you make good decisions even when you're upset and and you're struggling, and I'm glad that you do. But But it doesn't always happen that we have control over that. But we do recognize, I think, that when you do something like that, it only makes that person's behavior worse. I mean, it really, it will make their behavior worse and it will make your stress symptoms worse. I mean, I've heard of people developing migraines, hypertension, rashes, you know, I think that doctors don't always agree about the relationships between expressing feelings and diseases. But I do I think that the cause of conditions like skin rashes and migraines and hypertension, like I just said, can be caused by not expressing your feelings well, not having a support group to share your emotional stress with, I think we need to to find a way to release that. I, I recommend that you talk to your doctor about you know, what steps can I take? Like, can I take medication or will exercise help? What will help? And when you recognize that the irritating behaviors of the confused person, the person with dementia, are symptoms of their disease, that you'll feel less frustrated and angry and you can better care for that person and keep your stress level down and keep you from having disease issues of your own. And it is, don't get me wrong, it is completely understandable that you feel frustrated and angry. Really. I mean, angry that this happened to you, angry that you have to be the caregiver, angry with others who don't seem to be helping, angry with the person with dementia for their irritating behavior, angry that you're trapped in this situation. I mean, really, some sometimes the people with dementia develop behaviors that are extremely irritating and that can seem impossible to live with. And you will understandably get angry and sometimes be reactive and yell and argue 
But I can tell you, I've told you a hundred times, if I told you once, you'll never win an argument with a person with dementia because they are not operating from a place of cognitive wellness. They're not operating from a place of logic, right? And sometimes when they're having that irritating behavior, it can wear out even the most incredibly patient person. (laughs) And sometimes it seems as if they always start when we're the most tired. I mean, that happens to me all the time. The things that are the most irritating sometimes seem like the little things, but those little things mount up day after day after day, and they can be hard to deal with. And sometimes the person with dementia can do some things very well and appear unwilling to do other things. (laughs) And sometimes it's the same thing on a different day. One day they can do it, the next day they cannot. One day they will take a shower, the next day they won't. One day they will go to the bathroom in their pants, and the next day they go right to the toilet and do their business. I mean, it just never ends. It never ends. And sometimes people feel like the person with dementia can do more than they are saying they can do or just acting up to get their get their way or to get your goat. Um, And, you know, that can be infuriating. But it's hard for a person with memory loss and cognitive loss to manipulate you. They just truly don't have that ability. But it's hard. It's hard sometimes. (laughs) You know, I had a lady tell me one time that um, her sister, who she she takes care of, she said uh, to me she could load the dishwasher and set the table just fine at their other sister's house. But when they get back to their own house, she either refuses to do it or she makes a terrible mess. And... Now I know it's because I work and I know she knows I come home tired. (laughs) I had a lady just tell me that the other day. And I said, you know, I think sometimes people can remember their social graces when they're in different situations, when they're out in public, when when they're at another person's home. But sometimes when they get back to their own home, they don't feel like they have to try quite as hard. Or maybe that person was just tired and wasn't able to complete that task where they live. I I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. And a lot of times, the person who has the most responsibility for the care of that person with the diagnosis feels that other family members don't help enough or they're critical of the way you're caring for them, or they don't come to visit, and anger can build up around those kinds of issues too. I mean, we just have a lot of things that are playing on our emotions that irritate us. 
I get calls constantly about people being irritated with doctors and other professionals. Um, and sometimes your anger at them is justified. Sometimes you know they're doing the best job they can and you're still angry at them. You know, you think that they they don't listen to what you're saying. They're not giving you enough time during the the appointment that you have. Um, the person seems like they're much better when they're sitting in the doctor's office answering questions and then you leave and they can't figure out how to get into the car and buckle their seatbelt. Uh, oh my gosh, you guys, I hear all of this from you and more. I really do. Other things that cause problems are oftentimes around faith. I've had clients who tell me that, you know, as people with religious faith, they question how God could allow this to happen to them. They feel like it's a terrible sin to be angry with God or that they may fear that They've lost their faith in God. And when that happens, my friends, all that does is deprive you deprive you of the strength and the reassurance that faith offers just really at the time when you need it most. And when you struggle with questions as part of your experience with faith, you suffer hopelessness. And that's not what I want for any of you. I don't have those answers. I don't know why God lets children get cancer. I don't know why dogs and cats live a short life. I don't know why some people get sick and other people get to walk around like assholes all the time. Where is the justice in this? You know, I mean, sometimes we just don't get it. Why Why mean people who just totally suck get to continue to agitate us in our lives and act like jerks and say mean things and drive on highways and flip you off, and yet your nice, kind, loving person who's lived a very good life ends up with a diagnosis of Alzheimer's. You know? I mean, we wonder sometimes, how could God do this to me? I haven't been perfect. I've done the best I can. You know, maybe I don't have a right to question God. That's probably the hardest part. Sometimes you think you're a weak person if you if you question God. But I'm going to tell you something. Never let a person make you feel guilty for your anger with God. There are many, many, many thoughtful and meaningful writings discussing stuff like this feeling angry with God or questioning God and how he could allow something like this. You're not the only person who struggled with these questions. 
I recommend that you talk honestly about this with your minister, your priest, your rabbi, whoever it is. It can be comforting for you. And don't be afraid to say what you feel. It's only human to be angry when you're faced with these kind of burdens and these kind of losses that a diagnosis like this can bring to you. I mean, it's it's it happens all the time, you guys. And if you express your anger to the person that has the diagnosis, all it's going to do is make their behavior worse. It makes it impossible for them to respond to your anger in a rational way. And I think you'll find it easier and it improves your person's behavior when you find other ways to manage your frustrations and the problems. If you can find somebody else to talk to, if you can find a support group to help you. And I'll tell you what, I think the first step in dealing with anger is to know that you can reasonably expect from your person with a diagnosis and what's happening them to them to be irritating to you. That's okay. If you're not sure whether that person can stop acting the way they do, talk to your doctor. See if you can get some medication or something to help them. Learn some skills. Learn some strategies and techniques to work with them. Um, have an occupational therapist come in and and help with maybe some of the changes that you're seeing that are difficult for that person that's causing them to be anxious, which is causing you to be irritable. And it could be possible to change that person's irritating behavior by changing the environment or their daily routine. But just knowing that that unpleasant behavior is the result of the disease and that the person can't control what they're doing can relieve some stress for you. I hope it will. You know, I think you need to think about the difference between being angry with the person's behavior and being angry with the person themselves. I mean, they're ill and they can't stop their behavior. And yeah, it's infuriating, but it's not aimed at you personally. How many times have you heard that? It is not aimed at you personally. It sure feels personal when they unload their frustration and their anger at you and they say something that is really unkind, uh, that you're stupid or they hate you or wish you were never born or something like that, it feels personal. But when a person has a dementing illness like this, it really is kind of impossible for that person to be deliberately offensive because they've lost the ability Truly to take like a, a purposeful action. They're not deliberately insulting you. It's just a result of their illness. And I think it helps. I hope it helps to know that other families and professional caregivers have the same 
problems that you have. You're not the only one. And when the people that are in my support groups tell me that discussing their experiences with other families helps them to feel less frustrated and upset, I believe it. I see the stress melting away from them. I really do. I see people in a much better mental and emotional state when they're able to talk about the things that just piss them off, the things that are frustrating. And they help each other to find outlets for their frustrations. Cleaning closets, chopping wood, ways that you've used in the past to cope with your frustrations, whatever it is, go sit by the go sit by the fire outside, get in the hot tub, do some vigorous exercise, take a long walk, call a friend, talk to a, a friend for a few minutes. It could be relaxing and totally helpful for you. You need to try some of this stuff. We can't sit in that anger. We can't be too comfortable with that anger. Because if you don't have an outlet, if you don't have somebody to talk to, if you have to look in the mirror and talk to yourself, even that isn't the worst thing. But if you can just call someone and get these things off your chest, it might keep you from some catastrophic situation where you react to something and regret it later. Trust me, folks, I see this all the time. All the time. Some of the things that make people really mad is, you know, I I hear them say they have a home care person come in to give a shower or something, and they've been trying for maybe a year to get their person in the bathtub. And every time it's, it's this epic situation, frustration to get this task done, to get them cleaned up, to get get them all washed up and their hair washed and everything else. And then somebody else comes in and gets them to get in the shower really easily. And you're like, what the heck happened there? We find frustration and things like that too. And my suggestion to you is if you get in a situation where you see somebody doing something you weren't able to do, sit and talk with them and ask them what their technique was. Don't be angry about it. Don't get all frustrated about it. Just ask them what they did. Chances are they put some type of a strategic plan together and were able to execute it well and get that person warmed and comfortable and in and out quickly without water rushing in their eyes and whatever it was and use those skills next time you need to get that task done. We have to find 
outlets for our anger. We're going to take a short break, learn a little bit more about my company, and when we come back, I'm going to talk about embarrassment, embarrassing situations. When you're out in public, when you're around family members, whatever it is, we'll be right back. Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one assistance, we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders, such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. We are passionate that people with dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others, are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988 to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at summitresiliencetraining.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Okay. So I said when we went on the break that I wanted to talk about embarrassing situations. (laughs) Um, this is always a tough thing to talk about. It's part of why we have some stigma and some shame around these diagnoses, why people don't want to talk about their own diagnosis, why sometimes we don't want to talk about it. Sometimes we want to scream it to the rooftops. So I'll give you some examples. Sometimes the behavioral symptoms of the person with a diagnosis really are embarrassing. (laughs) And strangers don't understand what's happening, right? Uh, My sister (laughs) used to say going through the grocery store my mom would keep taking things down off the shelves like a toddler and people would stare. And she finally got to a point where she had to give my mom her own shopping cart and then give like one of the clerks or one of the young people that are are the baggers or something some money to put the stuff away. You know, she tried doing it on her own, um, but she couldn't keep up with it. Every time she turned around... Mom had thrown something else into the the cart. <laughs> Sandy, do you remember this? I know you listen to my shows. And, you know, sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's not funny. And sometimes you'd have to get her, you know, a magazine or a candy bar or something like that and let her keep at least one of the one or two of the things that she would throw in the cart um, and put all the other things back as fast as you could. I had a lady tell me one time that 
with her mom. She said, every time we try to give my mom a bath, she opens the window and shouts for help. What are we supposed to tell the neighbors? She's going to help me, help me. You know, I don't mean to laugh because experiences like that are embarrassing. And as much as your embarrassment may may fade with time as you share those experiences or laugh about them or whatever you have to do, you know, sometimes we have to laugh. It helps to talk to support groups about stuff like this. You know, in a support group, people can laugh about it and nobody takes that too seriously. We all know that we have to find the humor in these diseases because if we don't laugh, we'll cry all the time, right? And explaining to those neighbors why your mom's screaming out the window could honestly, you know, help them understand. If you need to, give them some copies of information, pamphlets or whatever about the disease and let them know you're not abusing your mom. You know, chances are your neighbors know somebody that has Alzheimer's. I don't go anywhere anymore that I don't meet someone that knows someone or has a loved one with one of these diseases. It could be Parkinson's, whatever it is. The the biggest problem comes in, though, that although even like with this show, you know, we have growing awareness of Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and all kinds of dementias, But there are so many misconceptions. There are still so many stupid jokes people tell, um, thinking that they're funny when it's not funny when you love someone that is losing their mind. There's we that's what makes us feel like there's still stigma around all of this. But when you can talk to your neighbors you know, about the illness and the behavior behaviors that it causes, you're helping to not only share knowledge, but to destigmatize the disease. Don't be afraid to do that. And, you know, I'll tell you what, those insensitive people that ask a rude question like why do they act like that or what's wrong with them or, you know, my my answer to that is why would you ask? Why would you ask? We don't always have to keep this stuff to ourselves, but we don't always have to share either. Like I had a guy who told me that he takes his wife out to dinner because he doesn't like to cook and she likes to go out. But he sees other people's glances and he tries to ignore them. That's something that they've always done, go out to eat, something that they like to do together, and they still do it. I love that. I love that. 
take take a little card with you or take a piece of paper with you that says the person with me is suffering memory loss. Please be patient and ask yes or no questions if you're going to go out and do things like that so that, again, we're helping people to learn. We're, we're, we're disseminating this information so that they have some grasp about why that person's acting funny and maybe won't make you uncomfortable or make your person with the diagnosis feel foolish. And a lot of families just want to keep their problems in the family. They don't want to go out to a restaurant. They don't want to have to share with neighbors, right? And that works good for some people. But I'm telling you, you're not hiding anything. Friends and neighbors 90% of the time know that the problem exists. And honestly, they can be more helpful and supportive to you if you tell them what the problem is. This, these illnesses are so overwhelming that it's pretty impossible to manage by yourself. There shouldn't be any stigma associated with having a dementia. There really shouldn't be. It's why I have this show. And so many of you in 66 countries and all 50 states in the United States and around the world, you all know this. Please don't be afraid to take your person out. Don't be afraid to share with family and friends and try to get their support and their help and their sharing of the care to minimize your anger and your stress and your frustration. When you share this, we not only destigmatize, but we have the assistance that we need. You can get it from your neighbors. You can get it from your church. You can get it from friends. Sometimes we just have to ask. There's no place here for help, helplessness. I mean, all of you at one time or another feel helpless. I know you do. You feel, you feel weak. You feel demoralized. You know, it, and sometimes it's worse when you can't find doctors or professionals who seem to understand what's happening in your life and they're not helping you when you're there. Um, I found that there's a, a zillion of you that have come up with your own resources, your own ways to be resilient and trying to overcome those feelings of helplessness. You can't cure the disease, but you are far from helpless. There are many ways to improve life for both you guys, the forgetful person and your family. And a good place to start with that is, you know, everything seems to look worse when you look at everything at once. We've heard it over and over and over again. Don't make a mountain out of a molehill, right? Focus on changing the small things that you can change, that you have some control over. Making a routine for that person. Uh, taking a class. 
so you learn about how the brain works, and and that's what I do. You you can get on my classes from all over the world on Zoom right now. That's the only gift that COVID has given us. That if you you know can stay up in the middle of the night if you're in Tanzania or if you're in Europe uh, and get on my classes on the first Wednesday of every month from one thirty to three thirty p.m. Mountain Time. Um, you can learn and you can start adjusting your behavior so that person has an easier time and you have an easier time. And when you understand why the brain is functioning the way it is, you understand why they can't name objects or why they struggle with menus, why they lose their reading and writing skills, why they repeat repeat themselves when they think that you don't hear them or the short-term memory they with the short-term memory they just forgot what you were saying to them and they had to ask again why they ask you for food when the food on the plate matches the color of the plate and they think they don't have anything sitting in front of them you can learn this stuff these little things that can help you to accept what is happening, stay ahead of the disease, and do the best that you can to, you know, really act and don't react. And just take one day at a time. Just one day at a time. When you get informed about the disease and you can read and you can talk about ways that other people manage the disease, talking with families who face those similar problems, then you, you then you have the ability to exchange information with them. You can talk about research. You can talk about avenues for support. You can help each other. You can go out for coffee and have a conversation. And then discussing your feelings with the doctor, a social worker, a psychologist, clergy, whoever it is, all those things will help you to relieve that feeling of being helpless and and uncomfortable and miserable and guilty. Oh my gosh, it's so common for family members to feel guilty for the way that you have behaved towards that person in the past. You feel guilty for being embarrassed by the person's odd behavior or for losing your temper, for wishing they didn't have the disease or wishing you didn't have the responsibility of caring for them, for deciding that that scope of care is too much and you need to place them in a nursing home. You have a zillion reasons why you feel guilty. Some are trivial. Some are critical. I mean, some can be bad. I mean, I had somebody tell me one time, my mom's illness ruined my marriage, and I can't forgive her for that. That's a case where that person probably should have placed that person in a memory unit before that happened. I've heard people say, I lost my temper and I slapped my person. I know they have dementia, but I can't help myself. Hey, that is never okay. Just like with a kid 
If you have to walk out of the room and count to 10, do it. One of the other gifts that dementia gives us, that Alzheimer's gives us, is if you wait just a couple minutes, that person has a short-term memory loss and they won't remember what just happened. You can come back in the room and they'll ask you why you just showed up. Why are we getting angry enough to hit them? I don't know. You really have to think about things like that. And there are some of you out there that are are cringing at this moment when I bring this up. I'm not kidding you. I know it happens. I see it with clients a lot, a lot more than I care to say. And other things you feel guilty about are spending time with your friends away from the person that has a diagnosis, especially when that person is your spouse. And you've been accustomed to doing things together and you feel like, oh, if I go out with my girlfriends or I go out with the the guys and I have a beer or whatever, you know, I feel bad about doing that. Oh, no, 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 no. I would much rather have you go spend some time away with some friends just doing normal activities, just enjoying, you know, adult interaction and intellectual conversation that isn't demented in any way, shape, or form so that you can find some normalcy in your day and move on with your life. You have to have those moments of respite so you don't lose your togetherness and hit your person or yell or scream at them. I would much rather have you think about that. Okay, I really would. And you might even feel, you know, vaguely guilty about knowing why. Sometimes people feel like the person with dementia makes them feel guilty. Promise me you'll never put them in a nursing home. You wouldn't treat me that way if you loved me. That's something a confused person may say that can make you feel guilty. Just remember, it's the disease talking, okay? They're not doing it on purpose. And a lot of times you feel guilty about things that, that you have to do that take the independence away from that person, stopping them from driving or saying that they can't live alone. That's a difficult action for a family member to take. I mean, it is. You know, caring for a person with dementia sometimes makes people feel guilty because it forces you to make decisions for that person who was previously fully able to make decisions for themselves. You know? And sometimes we feel guilty when a person close to us that we've always disliked develops Alzheimer's or some other kind of disease. You know, I mean, again, I had somebody say, I never liked my mom and now she has this terrible disease. If I had only been closer to her when I could have, maybe I wouldn't resent caring for her right now. And a lot of people wonder if they did something or failed to do something that caused the illness. No, 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 no. 
don't don't go being a martyr. Don't feel like you're responsible if that person gets worse. Don't feel that way. That's silly. Sometimes people feel like they've if they just would have taken more time with that person or kept them more active, they wouldn't have gotten worse. Um, maybe they had a surgery or a hospitalization that caused them to progress a little faster and you feel guilty about that. And the trouble with feeling guilt is that when they are not recognized for what they are, It keeps you from making clear-headed decisions about what's going to happen next, about the future, about doing what's right for the person with the dementia, about how it's affecting the rest of the family. And when those feelings aren't recognized, you know, those are hard to manage. And... Again, I have to tell you, the first step to admit that feelings of guilt are a problem, they become a problem when they affect your decisions. If you're being influenced by guilty feelings, you have to make a decision. Are you going to go around in a circle with one foot caught in the trap? Or are you going to say what's done is done and go on from there? There's no way to remedy the fact that you never liked your mom or that you slapped a confused person. But guilty feelings tend to keep us from looking for ways to remedy the past instead of letting us accept the past. And you have to change that trajectory. You have to make decisions and plans based on what is best right now. Okay, and recognize that feelings of guilt in a relationship, when they are not acknowledged, they can be destructive and they can affect how you act. And being faced with a chronic illness is a really super good time to be honest with yourself about not liking someone. And when you can choose whether to give a person care and respect without being influenced uh, about whether or not you like them, you're, ooh, that's a tough situation. We have very little control sometimes over who we like or love, and sometimes people are not very likable. Oh, it happens. I hear from you all on a regular basis. But we do have control over how we act towards them. Okay? Like my client who was able to face the fact that she didn't like her mom and she felt guilty about that. She was able to go ahead and arrange for her mother to get good nursing home care and move on. And when the person... With dementia says things like, promise you won't put me in a nursing home. It's helpful to remember sometimes the person cannot make responsible decisions for themselves and that you have to make the decision. 
acting not on the basis of guilt, but on the basis of your responsibility and your ability to have the skills to work with the symptoms of the disease because almost always the scope of care becomes something that is more difficult than you're able to handle. Okay? So you have to think about that. You have to you have to make the decision on what is best for that person, right? And not everything that you feel guilty about is over major decisions. And it's not always keeping you from making good decisions. Sometimes you might feel guilty about little things, like just being a little upset with them or snapping at them when you're tired. Sometimes just saying I'm sorry clears the air and makes you both feel better. And oftentimes the the person that's confused because they're for forgetful will have forgotten that incident long before you have, right? And if you worry that you've caused this illness or made it worse, it's helpful to know that you can learn all about the disease and and talk about that, like I said, with support groups and things like that. You know, we've got to find ways to deal with this stuff. And I can't I can't leave this show today just talking about these kinds of things. Helplessness, guilt, you know, all of that. How do you care for yourself? So I want to talk just for a few minutes about laughter. About finding joyful moments, right? And just because somebody has a dementia, it doesn't mean that it's an end to their capacity to experience love or joy, and it doesn't end their ability to laugh, right? And even though your life might be seem like it's filled with fatigue and frustration, grief, maybe your capacity for happier emotions, you know, doesn't feel like it's there all the time, but it's not gone. It's not. Happiness may seem out of place sometimes in the face of this whole disease. But I think that you always have that ability to find some laughter and joy in the moment. I think laughter is one of the one of the gifts that we get to help us keep our sanity (laughs) in the face of all this. And there's no reason to feel bad about laughing at the mistakes that a, a person with a dementia makes. They might laugh about it too, even if they're not sure what's funny. I mean, we found, we find that all the time in the people that we love and love is not dependent on intellectual abilities Love is is dependent on being able to give that person a hug, give them a smile, do something nice for them for a moment, do, do something that makes their day, give them a hand massage, run a nice bath for them, take them for a walk, wash their dog or cat, make their favorite food. That's what that's all about. 
right? Find the joy in the moment. Find the find the joy in that grocery store scenario um, where they're putting everything away and some clerk gets lunch money, you know, for putting all the stuff back at the end of the day. Find find that joy. Find that love. It's it's there. It's there. And that person hasn't lost it and you haven't lost it. Dig deep, my friends. Dig deep. These diseases are difficult. I wanted to talk about them today because I think sometimes we need to recognize that we're feeling this way. But just as I brought it full circle, I want you to recognize that we can find joyful moments, we can find happiness, we can find love and laughter, and we can get through this. We are resilient. We find ways to overcome obstacles and adversity to find a positive outcome. That's what we do. And I know you can do it. And in case somebody hasn't told you today, I love you. And I'm proud of you, and I'm here for you, and you are not alone. If you need to reach out to me, send me an email at jill at srthelp.com. Go on my website, summitresiliencetraining.com. Learn as much as you can. Attend one of my classes. Go to a support group. I'll be thinking of you. I'll be saying prayers for you, and I'll see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. You've been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.